Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode number 98 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here, as always, to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get on the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for tuning in once again this week. And we're near the 100th, we're near the 100th episode, so it's getting exciting. Um, but now this week's episode is a rerun of episode number 28, which initially aired on the 22nd of March 2018. But I thought it was time to revisit an old classic and get BKXC from his YouTube channel back on the show, Brian Kennedy, as as um, he is properly called. And um, it was just a great show at the time. I loved having Brian on the podcast. And, you know, it was only episode number 28. And um, I'd been watching Brian's videos for quite a while. And it was one of the reasons that got me so stoked in mountain biking, to be honest, and got me into it was these exciting trails and Brian was was riding and, and how he came across and all. It just worked so well. So I was super, super stoked to get Brian on the podcast. So I'm just doing a rerun this week. And if you've heard this one, don't worry, folks. I'll be back next week with another new episode of the podcast. But it's a great episode. So put your feet up, tune in, and see how Brian started his very, very successful YouTube channel. And I think his subscribers have doubled since this was recorded so um, sit back and enjoy and let the BKXC take you through the journey of riding the best trails in the world. Mr Brian Kennedy welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast thank you so much for being on house tricks with yourself. I'm doing good man. Awesome, awesome. And listen, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I really do appreciate it. I never, ever thought I would be speaking to yourself. So it's, it's a big honor. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of yours. <laughs> Hell yeah. That's awesome. I love hearing that. I'm I'm very accessible. I think a lot of people think that, but if you send me an email, I'll send an email back. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty awesome with getting back uh, with all your comments on YouTube and stuff. And we'll get into that a wee bit later because that's a massive undertaking <laughs> because you've got a massive amount of comments nowadays. So, so awesome. But we'll we'll chat on that a wee bit later. So, you're just back. You were away with um, Sid and Maggie there, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I did a little southwestern U.S. tour, kind of sorta. I did Sedona, Phoenix. Uh, some areas around Las Vegas, and I went to Southern California. But yeah, I rode with Sid and Mackie for three days, and it was really fun. Yeah, brilliant. I, I just watched a couple of those there, and uh, yeah, th- those trails looked really difficult. <laughs> so amazing. It's amazing to come this far, like from being, you know, I could always kind of sort of ride that stuff, but now riding that stuff faster and, and being able to follow a pro enduro rider, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's unreal. It's unreal. So, Brian, you're from california what area are you from i'm from northern california i live in vallejo california and it's about 45 minutes from san francisco sometimes sometimes it's 20 minutes from san francisco just depends on the traffic (laughs) yeah so everybody knows brian kennedy or bkxc your youtube channel um and what you do now and the kind of scenario around that but how did all this start you know who were you before bkxc what what were you interested in? What did you do for an income, etc.? 
Yeah, so I was a I was a web developer. I always worked like in on websites. I went to college for journalism, and right out of college, I got a job at a newspaper in Napa as the web guy. So I worked on their website. Really got it was you know that time two thousand six when like you know not many newspapers had good websites, and there was kind of this whole you know everything's moving online, and and online content was a real thing all of a sudden. You know I had been on the internet for ten years at that point, but you know most people are like, oh, the internet, it's a big fad. So I kind of got the the newspapers website up and running, Facebook and Twitter and all that stuff that was all just kind of starting to trickle out. And I did that for a few years, and it was a lot of nights and weekends shifts. So I, I moved to a, a more you know mellow job at potsandpans.com, being a web developer, doing the same kind of stuff, but just doing it for uh, pots and pans instead of news articles. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, I just always wanted. I just kept thinking about. I got itched. I got very itchy. I just wanted to find a, a a way to make money and then go mountain bike. You know, just make have some kind of business on the side and then go do mountain biking more and more. And uh, I just started studying YouTube. YouTube was always out there. You know, there's been plenty of people that have made a living out of what they love doing on YouTube. Even you know, I only started my channel two years ago, 2016, which is you know by 2016 there's probably you know, 50,000 people on YouTube that are like, no, no exaggeration. There's probably a good amount, tens of thousands of people that are making a living off of YouTube doing what they love, you know, whether it's fishing or makeup tutorials or bodybuilding, there's just example after example after example of people that are doing what they love on YouTube and finding an audience. And so I kind of looked at YouTube and did some studying and I had a couple other channels where I was experimenting with things. And then I saw the YouTube, uh, I saw the mountain biking thing. I saw Nate Hills with his gimbal in Sedona. And I was like, oh, wait a second here. What, what's this? And uh, it clicked and I tried it and people started finding it immediately and we were off to the races. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that you went down the YouTube route because you would almost think in 2016 that if you're wanting to make a living off YouTube, ah, it's already been done. You know, there's yep. hundreds of thousands of people on YouTube, you know, and I read a thing like there was there's 440,000 videos uploaded every day or something yeah. silly like that. You know, she'd almost think from an entrepreneurial view that oh, that's been done, but you found a niche. Exactly. And really what I what I could see by studying, by watching, by searching for as many mountain bike videos as I could, that nobody was really doing like the vlogging thing slash the friend thing. So that's what I always say in my videos. Like I'm a friend, like I'm a normal guy that hangs out. I go and travel, but I talk to the camera like a friend. You know, it's not it's not this thing where I'm too cool for school. It's not this thing where it's, you know, there's a lot of different layers of what you can be on YouTube. And, you know, you could do cinematic videos and you could do these type of videos. And I just always wanted it to be just me talking to the camera, hanging out, showing my flaws, which I think has been my biggest, uh, the biggest thing I've ever done is just showing myself to be flawed. (laughs) And that just makes people like it more. So, yeah, I just, I, I, I saw that there was definitely a hole. There was a huge hole even two years ago when you would have thought there's no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And why did you do the mountain bike thing? Was it just because that's what you were really into at the time? Had you just started mountain biking? What was your background in that? 
Yeah, so I probably started mountain biking seven or eight years ago. It's very fuzzy. I, the math on when I started uh, is, is pretty fuzzy. But me and my brother have been mountain biking for like almost every weekend until I started my channel. And then I kind of started my channel and kind of went off on my own and did more more of it on my own. Uh, but yeah, I was always into mountain biking. I but really, the, like I said before, the, the idea was to build a business so I could go and do these mountain bike trips, like going to Spain or going to Madeira or wherever, just traveling the world because I already had money, you know, generating income on the side over here, like that didn't need to be touched, you know, which is, you know, the impossible business. But uh, so, yeah, when I saw that I could combine mountain biking and that kind of business, make traveling be the business, and mm-hmm. I went for it. Awesome. And your area there where you live is i'm sure is pretty good for mountain biking there's a good scene there do you think that helped you with your youtube channel that you could go plenty of places quite locally initially and get your videos out 100 percent. i you know i think it did help me but it doesn't have to be that way like because as much as anybody wants to think like oh I, i need to go travel i need to go hit all these different trails it really comes down to your personality that's what youtube is it's entertainment it's not here's this trail here's this trail here's this trail here's this trail like so i i see it both ways where it really did help like living in northern california and being a three-hour drive away from so many great trails there's still trails i haven't hit i still haven't put on my channel yet that i still need to get to i'm very lucky in that way but if you look at youtube as like a quantity game where it's like oh no i have to go here oh i have to travel here i have to travel there like you're looking at it all wrong. There's, I'm sure there's guys that are just riding the same. You could ride the same trail every day for six months and, uh, it would still be interesting because it's them. It's their personality. You're getting to know them. You're hearing their stories. You're learning about who they are. And I think that is almost what's completely missing from any of the, the guys that are trying to come up now and trying to get their channels established where, I think they're still afraid to show who they really are. So it's very much like, hey, guys, we're here. We're going to do this versus, you know, I'm just I'll show every flaw in the book. I'll cuss. I'll be me to a fault. And I think that's what has helped my channel the most. Well, I think you have to be you nowadays, don't you? And of course, you seem quite likable. So that that's good. <laughs> yeah, somehow <laughs> I, I always find it. I find it really funny because it's like I, I feel like at any party or any other thing, I'm not really the life of the party, or and nobody's really enthralled with anything I have to say. So I find it kind of funny that I've found an audience. Yeah, well, you have to connect with your audience. You have to know who your audience is, don't you? And um, I think you've done that very well and I think that's why people can relate to your channel and and enjoy your channel so much because you are just like them or they are just like you and yes you know that's why I started to watch it because you did fall off you you did make mistakes and I'm like well wow if, if Brian can ride these trails maybe I could ride those trails yeah you know yeah, I, I think it's an awesome thing. And I, I feel like it gets a little dangerous sometimes because <laughs> I, I think it, like people have this image of like, yeah, you know, I'm OK. And then like when I actually do get to ride with people, it's like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> like, I, I, didn't, I didn't realize you're actually good. So it's, it's kind of a funny balance. But, you know, in my eyes, in my head, I'm not I'm still not that great. You know, I'm trying mm-hmm. to keep up with so many of these guys like the past couple of videos with Sid and Mackie have been awesome because they went easy on me. So I was able to actually keep up with them. And, you know, it felt like a kind of a breakthrough yeah yeah no it's funny like 
I'm sure because you're riding quite a lot, you don't really see yourself getting that much better, be, you know, because you're doing it so often. Of but, course. But um, I'm I'm sure people, you know, like your brother, maybe who doesn't ride with you that often, I'm sure he sees a great advance in your skills, etc. Yeah, a couple of people are always like recently have said like, hey, man, you should go back to your first videos and watch those and see how much you've come <laughs> along. Yeah, interesting. So, Brian, when you started the YouTube thing, uh, were you still working at nine to five for say at that time? Yes. Yes, I was. So I started April 2016. I started putting out videos within the first few videos. A lot of people were finding the channel and commenting and I knew that it was going to be something. So I just knew I had to feed the beast and keep getting videos out. So I, I had a trip to Whistler that I did. I went to Lake Tahoe. I got a, a good library of videos going. And at some point, I think I started doing two or three videos a week, even while I still had my job, just because I had this like oh. this backlog of content. Mm. And then, you know, around September, I think it was September. I'm still kind of fuzzy of how many subscribers I had. I think I had around 5,000 subscribers within that first six months or so. Is that six months? Yeah. And around September, I, I figured, you know what? I'm not going to wait around for this to be a sustainable thing. I know it's going to grow. You know, I did the math and I figured that by May of 2017, I would have 50,000 subscribers and 50,000 subscribers would mean a sustainable income. So I way back at so back in September when I had 5,000 subscribers, I was like, man, there's still there's still time left in the season. There's still places to go ride. There's still stuff to do. Like, <laughs> forget it. I'm quitting my job. I'm going for it. And uh, I, I did that. And somehow it worked. And, you know, I I I I, I really think it was kind of crazy looking back but i had utter confidence and people still were finding my channel and all it all worked out so uh don't quit your job at five thousand subscribers unless you're really really confident in what you're doing yeah and like what was that I, i'm just curious to know what that felt like um from moving from a full-time enjoy uh, a job with full-time income etc to going out you know just taking that that leap of faith how did that feel it was really scary, even though I had supreme confidence. Like I knew what I was doing was making a difference. I was getting the emails and comments every day from people who were like, man, I love what you're doing. I, I got off the couch. I've been riding. I lost 20 pounds. Like I've, I, I made so many connections with so many people, and I knew what I was doing like had this this really powerful thing. Like It wasn't just me being narcissistic out riding. It was like me going out riding, making a goof of myself and people really, really loving it. So I, I, I had like supreme confidence that I could make this happen. The, the money stuff was starting to kind of trickle in. I was like, okay, so if I do this, I get some YouTube ad money. Okay. I've got some affiliate link money, you know, piecing together the income stuff. But, but it's it still, it, it was still extremely scary. It was still this very big thing. Like, Oh, what are my parents going to think? Oh, what are my grandparents going to think? What are my family going <laughs> to, you know, just like, just such a scary thing to jump into because it's such an unknown thing. It's, it's really like I, I to any YouTuber out there that wants to do this, I encourage you, but it's like 
packing up your car and moving to Hollywood? Like, why mm. do you think that you could go star in a TV show or star in a movie? Like, how is that even possible? But at least with YouTube, you can try it. And if people find you, they find you and they like it versus Hollywood. You got to go through gatekeepers and you have to go on auditions and people have to, you know, people in power have to choose you versus normal people who are your audience choosing you. So I, I just, I, that's what gets me so much about YouTubers coming up and trying to make a channel and not really realizing it's a TV show. You're making a TV show, like I'm making a TV show three days a week and all that content and trying to be entertaining. It's not just strap a gimbal to your chest and ride. It's really about connecting with the audience. And even at, even when I only had 5,000, only 5,000 subscribers, that's still a lot, uh, I felt like I was still making a connection with the audience and I knew that more people were going to want to find it and that I should go for it. Tell me about the day you went to your parents and said, mom, I'm going to do this. What yeah. was that conversation <laughs> like? It, it's so funny because I, you know, I was a, at the time what I was probably 34 years old, you know, it's yeah. like, I'm not a yeah. kid, exactly. but my parents With- still have this, you know, this influence. I'm still very much, you know, connected to my parents and we hang out a lot. So it's still, even as an adult, it's still this, Oh, it's still this thing. So a little well, bit I of think, back. I think it's yeah, even yeah. worse. If you went to your parents when you were <laughs> 18 or 19 and said that, they would say, well, Oh, that's cool. Let them try it for yeah, a couple you got of time. years. See how yeah. on. You know, but you know, you're not a teenager or exactly. whatever anymore. So <laughs> you're right. No, you're so right. That's so funny. So a little bit of backstory is that when I was working at the pots and pans place, I kind of had this itch where I'd never learned hardcore programming. Like I've done web stuff forever, but I never really learned JavaScript or Ruby or any kind of programming language. So I actually quit that job to go take this uh, dev boot camp thing. So it's like a, it was a 12 week boot camp in programming to actually learn, but I had to quit my job because it was an all day, every day thing. So they were supportive of that decision of me just jumping in because it was going to mean better opportunities for me as a web developer. And when I finished that, that program up, I just ended up getting my old job back, which was way better. Like I got a better position at the old company at pots and pans. So then I was back, you know, back in the saddle (laughs) with a better salary and better stuff to do. So my parents had kind of already been through that that rodeo once before where I was like, hey, I'm just I'm throwing everything away. I'm going I'm going out on a limb here and uh, and and running away. But so the second time around, I think it was a little more like, well, yeah, <laughs> you know, wait a second. Like, are you just going to do this every year? Are you going to like get a wild hair up your ass and just change careers and quit everything and throw everything away? And uh so yeah, they took it pretty well and they've been so supportive. Like they've been like incredibly supportive. My dad watches all the videos. My mom and dad both read the comments and just it's amazing to to know that they've got my back. Yeah, it's, it's a, when you're doing a doing something like that, I think you need support of the people, the closest people around you. I think you need you need Definitely. their help and their support and you can move forward a wee bit more. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. So your channel has grown to, you're almost 130,000 subscribers or something like that yeah. now, aren't you? How crazy yeah, it's is that, cra- man? It's really crazy. It's it's just weird to look at that number and it just keeps going and it keeps moving and it's it's insane. Yeah, you know, and I love stories about people that, you know, take something that they're so passionate about, like a, like a lifestyle and make it into a career just from an idea from, from their passion or something they love. I absolutely love that. And I watched... I watched one of your live feeds pretty recently, which was five and a half hours. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, I'm sorry, I, I couldn't stay on. Things. I couldn't stay on all day because I had stuff. No. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but you received a Chrome play button from YouTube. Yes. What was that about? So when you reach 100,000 subscribers, they give you kind of like a little reward. It's kind of a little carrot and stick kind of thing. Like, hey, thank you. I think you're, you're doing a great job. So they send you this 100,000 you know, subscriber milestone. It's just kind of a thing to say, like a, a physical thing to say, wow, you're doing so good. And uh, it was neat. It was really cool. I didn't think I was going to get so stoked on it as I did because I've seen it. I know the deal. I've seen Seth's. I've seen other ones. So my buddy Seth, Seth's bike hacks. And uh, so it, it, I, I didn't think it was going to be as special as it was, but it was pretty dang special. Yeah. And when I was watching that uh, live feed, you seemed pretty emotional about that. Yeah, definitely. Because, you, you know, when you're in the, I call it like the treadmill, when you're just cranking out three videos a week, just trying to do your best, just cranking videos, cranking videos, that's all I'm basically doing 24-7. And uh, to take a step back and to think about 100,000 people and that many people enjoying it and subscribing and commenting and just how all those people make this life possible and how it's just this weird circle of life thing it's amazing you know it's it's crazy like how does it you know it's been two years roughly since your channel started like like how do you feel emotionally i'm sure you just must want to burst into tears at some at some times just thinking about that roller coaster as you say yeah it's been really really cool like the uh the most emotional I get is really the people that email me and say like, hey, man, you know, I quit smoking. I'm, I'm riding with my son like it's changed my life. And those are the ones that I just absolutely love and cherish when people are like, yes, I've, I've made a difference somehow. Somehow my videos of me goofing around have sparked something in them because they still have to do the hard work. My videos aren't really doing the hard work, but hopefully they can spark something that, you know, sets a fire inside of them. Yeah, I love that. And did you ever think when you were doing your nine to five that something like this was possible? Because the whole youpreneur thing now is so, you know, it's just out there so much. And, uh, you know, doing your own thing, going off, taking a chance, doing your own thing. Did you ever think that it would actually happen? You know, I did. I really did. If It didn't have to be a YouTube thing. It didn't have to be a social media thing. But I go through my life uh, being a patron of these businesses day in and day out, whether it's a plumber, a restaurant, a shoe store or whatever. And every single business that I patronize is messed up in some way. Who are the idiots that are running these businesses and somehow making a living doing what they're doing? So I I just go through life with a chip on my shoulder about how do these people even operate? Okay, yeah, I've got a clogged drain. I call the plumber and he never calls me back. Like, what? Like how, yeah. how does your business operate when you never call me back or I leave a message and you say you'll be here at three and then you show up at six with no phone call in between. Like, so I, I go through my life seeing all these successful people that own all these businesses and doing it completely half ass. So it's like, mm. Hey, I bet if I ever started a business, I could do pretty good. <laughs> yeah, dude, I am so glad you said that. Cause I thought that was only an Irish thing. <laughs> Because sometimes you think people don't want my money. Exactly. Exactly. I've felt this way forever. And it's just if someone was diligent enough to get something going, they could dominate. Yeah, well, happy days. So as your channel's growing, Brian, just briefly, what have you enjoyed the most from the journey so far? 
making so many friends. That is really what I really never realized was going to happen, that I would make real friends. You know, my buddy Seth, my buddy Alexander, just a countless number of people that I've stayed with, that I've traveled with. And, you know, because in, in a bubble, when I first started making my videos, it was just me writing and talking. And that was a lot, a lot, a lot of my videos. And then when I met up with my buddy Alexander in Salida, Colorado, which was basically right after I quit my job. Uh, is that Alex from Single Track? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And uh, so I met up with him and rode with him. And all of a sudden, it's like this bromance, you know? It's like, wow, I've got this other guy that really gets what I'm doing. And he hadn't really got his channel up and running quite yet. He was getting into it. He, I found him because he had one or two mountain bike videos. Because when you start a mountain bike YouTube channel, you just search for mountain biking and you go through every single video. And I saw his videos and I saw that he had personality. And so I, I, I was able to hook up with him and go ride and these friendships, man, it's it's amazing. I have friends the world over, and that is something I would have never, never imagined was possible. Yeah, and it's funny because I find that the same about the podcast, that you know, you're putting out information and everything else, but it's the people you actually get to chat to that I never thought I would have had the opportunity to. Exactly. And that's what makes it all worthwhile. So, yeah, it's a crazy ride. It really is. Let's talk a wee bit about YouTube then. Um and how the downloads thing and all has recently changed. Do you have to keep an eye on all that stuff? Yeah, you always have to keep an eye because, you know, I'm pretty diverse in my revenue streams. So YouTube ad money is something that I depend on. So every time you watch a YouTube video, if an ad plays before it, or if you have YouTube Red, you don't see an ad, but I actually do get paid a couple cents uh, every time somebody watches a video. And that adds up. You know, I get more than 1 million views per month. And that adds up to wow. you know a couple, a couple thousand bucks a month, and it's a big chunk of my income. And uh, so when YouTube changes something, or YouTube is angry about this, or ang angry about that, or they're trying some machine learning thing that totally screws up your channel, you have to be aware and you have to be kind of ready for that. So that's why YouTube ad revenue isn't like my number one focus. It's always. Mm -hmm building a business that's kind of outside YouTube where, you know, I try to do t-shirts, I try to do gloves, I try to do Patreon so that, you know, people can donate three bucks a month and get my videos early. They can get extended cuts to kind of feel like they're in, in the, in the club and that three bucks a month, which, you know, people spend three bucks on pro bars and protein bars, that three bucks a month can completely fund what I'm doing and be my biggest chunk of income and uh, it makes all this possible and you know I've actually been working on some sponsorship stuff but not with bike company sponsorship because that always scares me when something breaks on your bike you're not allowed to talk about it but actually working with like tourism boards like I went to Quebec City uh, what was it last month now and had a blast out in the snow fat biking and that was actually a paid trip they paid me to go they paid for my flight they paid me to go and so like basically diversifying my portfolio so this is still a sustainable business and still staying true to my people that's the number one thing i'm most concerned about is being honest and open and authentic and uh going back to what we were saying earlier i think authenticity and transparency is like the huge thing about living in today's world and if you're very guarded and you're kind of covering stuff up and you're fake about stuff and you're trying to put on a personality that really isn't you you're not going to win. I think that's very true. And it, it's very interesting what you say about the bike sponsorship because you, you probably could get two or three bikes given to you every year if you want it. 
But as you say, you know, maybe you aren't serving your audience correctly then because certain things aren't right with the bikes. As you say, you can't really say that. Yeah, every single pro that I've ever ridden with says they break their stuff all the time and they can't talk about it. They hate their stuff. They break their frames constantly. And it's just this crazy thing. So I do have a deal with Orbea and it's basically not a sponsorship. It's basically a no strings attached. They're giving me a bike. So right now I have a demo bike, Rayon, and then I'm going to get my own little custom built version. They have this program called Myo where you can pick your paint, pick your components. And, uh, but I was kind of adamant with them, like, hey, I just want this no strings attached where maybe I'll ride it, maybe I won't. I'm not going to promise anything, but I feel like I can deliver such good value by me riding the bike and showing off how good the bike is and talking about the bike that they're willing to take that risk if I never ride it at all. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm very fortunate to be in that position because I can't really afford to buy a $7,000 bike, you know, maybe every once every four years or so. But uh yeah. So it's nice to have this bike to be able to show it off, and I feel like it's a great bike. But if something blows up on it, you're sure as hell I'm going to talk about it. Yeah, well, it's the ultimate test for them, isn't it? It's a test ride for them. Of course, <laughs> so, of course. So you're giving them good feedback, I suppose, at the end of the day, and that's something that would be really important to any bike brand nowadays. Definitely. So do you want to talk a wee bit about Patreon, Brian, and fill us in on what that is and you know, how that helps the site and helps you do what you do. Yeah. So the Patreon thing, it's basically you, you become a patron of the arts, you know, like back in the day where, uh, you know, King Louie or whatever would pay artists just to hang out and like, Hey, here's, here's a, here's 10,000 rubles a month or whatever, and do some paintings. And, you know, you're kind of, you're kind of allowing art to happen. And it's also just, if you believe in what I'm doing, three bucks a month or a dollar a month, there's a lot of different tiers. It, it it just makes all the difference in the world for me to be able to buy plane tickets and all that stuff. But yeah, you can go on patreon.com slash BKXC and check it out. I'm, I'm sure anyone who knows who I am has heard me talk about it. And some people get sick of me talking about it. But it is what actually runs this thing. And this this is a business. It is a life. But it, it's just awesome to, to have people. And they watch the extended cuts. So normally... My YouTube videos are somehow they're always around 13 minutes long. I don't really dictate that. It just kind of happens. But I have these extended cuts that come out earlier than the normal video. And they're usually about 45 minutes long. And so many people watch the extended cuts. They really enjoy watching all 45 minutes. And not all 45 minutes is really entertaining. But uh, people get on the trainer and they, they, they sit and spin. They watch the extended yeah. cut. And it's just been it's been the perfect, you know, it's been the perfect incentive because you have to think what's in it for them there. It's not a charity thing. It's not just, Hey, you're giving me three bucks a month and thanks. I'm going to take your money and go. It's it really, you have to think about your audience and what more you could offer something a little more premium, that kind of stuff. And I also do like a dollar a month where you can find out about news when I have a new t-shirt coming out, or if I'm going to do a Patreon group ride and I've done a few of those, which have been really, really fun. So yeah, it's just a way for me to sustainably keep this thing going. And I I'm closing in on almost 1000 Patreons patrons. And, uh, it's pretty amazing. Wow. Yeah. That, that is awesome. That is awesome. You see, it's the Patreon thing is not that big here in the UK or Ireland. Um, you know, if you speak to people about it, they don't really know what it is. Yeah, most people don't. Most people really don't. It's it's very much a niche YouTube artist kind of yeah. thing. And uh, yeah, th- I've definitely been called an e-beggar a few times. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, brilliant. That's classic. Now, let's talk a wee bit about the not-so-fun side of it, um, and let's talk about editing and stuff like that, because I know a lot of people probably think that you, you go out on your bike, you strap a camera to your chest, um, and that's it. You yeah. Know, that's it. That's it. Done. Boom. Just living the life. Yeah. But firstly, do you film everything when you're out riding? No, I, I definitely turn the camera on and off, but I, I film yeah. more. I film more than I should, and you just always gotta have the camera running in case something happens you don't want to miss you know something crazy so i i'm i'm filming quite a lot and uh yeah you just it's the sacrifice you make so when you get back to the editing uh bay you're like looking through this thing and it takes takes a lot of work to go through the videos yeah totally yeah because the time you turn the camera off the time somebody's going to get chased by a bear (laughs) exactly (laughs) exactly Um, so how much time brian would you spend behind the computer editing and getting uploads ready and all that kind of stuff you know it's it's tough to say but i'd say that you know every video probably takes about six hours of work so it's like right now i'm sitting on six videos that i need to get out from that road trip so i basically just was out traveling and 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 riding and not doing any editing so now i come back home so it's like every day of riding costs a day of working and editing basically almost the full day yeah wow so six hours to edit a 45 minute video yeah exactly you start out with maybe an hour and a half of footage maybe an hour of footage and you know that includes making a thumbnail and putting subtitles on and and Mm -hmm. like all those little tiny detail things that all of a sudden really stack up and make it uh make it a lot harder links you know oh i talked about this lock i talked about this bike lock let me go go on amazon find the link and put that in the description do you ever edit when you're on the road because i think when i was watching your ben jones videos um when you were out with him that you were maybe editing on the road as well is that something you have to do from time to time i try i try but it's tough because after a long day of riding you just you're just done you're toasted especially on those kinds of trips where there's no time they 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 run you hard they want to make sure you get six days of riding and, and really get a ton of value out of your money so it's like all right we're getting up early all right we're driving three hours all right we're doing this okay now we're driving two hours back and all right see you guys tomorrow like <laughs> like yeah, yeah. and I, I gotta make sure i charge up all my batteries and dump my footage and just doing that and then eating dinner and it's like by then it's like hey it's nine o'clock at night it's time to go to bed I, I need it's better to get sleep and be ready for the next day than to try to crank out a video yeah yeah, certainly. Do you enjoy that whole editing process? I do because it, it's putting the puzzle together. Like it's very, very cool. Sometimes, you know, it wears on me sometimes where you're like, okay, 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 I'm done. Let's go. Let's get this thing going. But to to first see that footage come in and to sh- see that it, I was able to somehow capture very much close to what it felt like to ride, like it's always amazing. It's always pretty spectacular to put it down in the timeline that first time and be like, oh man, okay, let's see this part. Oh cool, that looks good, awesome. Cool, and what editing software do you use, Brian, just so that people know? Yeah, I use Final Cut Pro on my Macintosh. All right, so you're an Apple fella. You're an yeah. Apple dude. <laughs> see, we're still all PC over here. Me <laughs> <laughs> Uh, cool and you know i had ben jones on the podcast oh cool ah uh, yeah and we were i was chatting to ben and stuff and he's just had he's just been at the the london bike show and stuff like that and he's released his bike now yeah deviate bike yeah now i know that bike was out there and ben was riding it when you were with him yeah um 
did you get a go on that? I didn't. So, so we were gonna, we were thinking about it. We were gonna do it, but they were still like, there was still a couple things that they were working on on the bike and the chain tensioner yeah. and stuff. So he's like, okay, I don't want you to ride it when it's like still. It was still very much a prototype at that time. It looks amazing. The bike looks crazy amazing. Yeah. I'm going to get a chance to ride it in Italy in a few months. So he has a little invite-only trip, people yeah, who have already right. been on a trip. So Lake Garda, I think he's going to let me ride one for that trip. And we're going to see how that goes. I might get uh, addicted to the old pinion gearbox. Aye, awesome, awesome. Yeah, because I have been chatting to him about that. That's one of his new kind of routes that he's, he's doing. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't go on public release until next year, I think. So. Correct. Beta test. Yeah, be a test, dude. You'll you'll be the you'll be the guy doing <laughs> the all the pig. drops and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, so you're super active on returning viewers' comments, Brian. Um, is this some? Well, it obviously, is of major importance to you. But how much time does that take up? I don't. I can't believe how you do that. <laughs> I I think it's funny because I it really there. It's taken about the same amount of time from when I had. 100 subscribers to when I've got 120,000 subscribers like people don't really comment that much it, it it might it might look like they do but I I feel like I get the same amount of comments yeah it still takes about 30 minutes a day to go through it but I feel like that's a good price to pay for to have a connection and to be able to recognize so many people in my comments and for them to leave like really interesting you know feedback and stuff that I that has basically built my channel by people suggesting, Hey, you should go check out this or, Hey, have you ever tried this? Or like all that stuff is so important. And mm -hmm. every single YouTuber reads their comments, but for whatever reason, they don't feel like it's valuable enough to actually reply. Yeah. You know, I think it's such a cool thing because I remember when I commented on one of your first, first videos or one of the first videos I watched and you actually got back to me, I was like, wow, <laughs> He's actually he's actually got back to me. It's, I'm just it, a regular dude too, so that that's how everybody feels, I'm sure. Definitely, and you know, I watch a lot of YouTube still. I still kind of study different things. Like I, I'll watch some video game streaming stuff from time to time. And and when you talk in the chat, or if you donate like money with a super chat or something to a live streamer, and they talk and they they you know they say your name and they react to your comment, it's a very special thing. It's awesome. It's it's a great mm -hmm. reaction to have. So I kind of understand that dynamic, and I feel like it's important to to get back to people. And you know. There's plenty of commenters that just say first or third or just, you know, have something kind of worthless to say where it's like, okay, I'm not really going to take my time to respond to every comment. I just respond to every worthwhile comment. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Well, you you know, it's the old build yourself a thousand fans idea. Yep, and, exactly. Uh, it's, it's so, but you've you've destroyed it for me for everybody else now because if I comment on something else and they don't, it's go just back, going, I'm yeah, like, asshole. It's just <laughs> it just goes out into the ether. It's like it's kind of sad, right? I mean, you you spend yeah. this time if you have a real question, like a real comment that you think would really help, and then it just goes out there and nobody answers it, and it's like, oh man, <laughs> yeah. Um, see, old chicken and egg question now, and I'm sure you've been asked this a number of times, but do you ever think the channel will grow to a certain size where it's unmanageable? It's possible, but like people have been asking that for since I started. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's guys literally that used to comment on all my stuff that don't even comment anymore, where it's like mm -hmm. I outlasted them. 
<laughs> like yeah. they, I had my, like they were worried that I was going to stop and they've stopped. Yeah. Well, here, here's maybe a better way of putting it then. Do you structure your day in any way? Do you have a structure set out that you follow? I try. I don't. I. It's really kind of it's all over the place. I always try to get up early, but that doesn't always happen. And then, you know, I'll be like, OK, boom, breakfast first, then my to do list and edit my videos. But then it's like, oh, well, OK, I'll go to the gym or oh, OK, I'll actually get a ride in first. And so I really don't have a solid routine, but I do have a solid to do list that I'm always focusing on. And OK, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What's what's on the calendar? What's the most important thing? And trying to work that. But I get as distracted as anybody else. Well, you certainly got up early some mornings because you sent me an email your time about 4.30 a.m. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely, it depends on uh, <laughs> where I'm at and what, what's going on for sure. So would you say then, would you say it's more difficult in some ways than your nine to five? Oh, yeah. I mean, it really is a full on obsession. Like a lot of these guys that have wives and kids, they're like, oh, man, I don't know how you do it. It's like, it's easy. It's the only thing that I have obligation to do. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's a full on consuming, total con- consuming of my life. But I've always wanted something like that. I've always wanted something where I could pour my heart and soul into it and see what came out the other side. But, yeah, it's mm-hmm. definitely harder than the nine to five. And it, it might not sound like it. It might sound like it's all perfect roses and, and easy, but it's definitely a. Uh, all-consuming yeah it's like running any business isn't it you, you never stop thinking about it you know you dream about it you get up in the morning the first <laughs> yeah. thing you think about is the business you know yep. your phone never stops I, I know what it feels like and you know that can be tiring so how do you how do you stay motivated all the time how do you keep that stoke at such a such a high level all the time you know, there's always something on the horizon. There's always something to look forward to. There's always like, okay, that video is coming out. I wonder how people are going to like it. And, you know, when you when you do good rides, like these past couple rides, these past couple videos, Sedona, Highline, and then South Mountain and Phoenix, those were some of the best rides I've ever done. So it's like mm. the, the riding still gets me stoked. Then to go back and edit the videos to be like, oh, man, people are going to really like this and, and to craft the video so it's funny and it's entertaining and it's it's got all these little bits and pieces in it and to actually get to show that off it's it still fires me up yeah you're, you're just still in love with it aren't you yeah definitely and and there's gonna be pieces where you know maybe i'll i've been experimenting with getting an editor and seeing how that goes where it's like okay mm-hmm. like it's very very tough for me to like take the hands off and like not be the total control freak but it's like okay if if these six videos are all going to cost me six hours it's going to be a 40 hour week that i could be working on the business and building other opportunities versus yeah. you know digging in and getting just locked into getting nothing done for a week even though i'm getting stuff done i'm getting the videos done but there's other stuff that i could be doing yeah totally and it's funny i um i had robin o'neill who's a professional photographer on the podcast and she used to do all her editing but she now she's outsourced that to somebody for 20 hours a week to do the editing that's amazing. Um, because yeah. it was, you, you know, yeah, because it was just taking her away from being behind the camera, what she's passionate about, what she's so talented at, 
Um, so she went down that route. And is that something you might find yourself looking at in the near future? Yeah, I really do want to. I've been experimenting with it. I actually have a guy that I'm gonna gonna play with. We just did our first little round of editing yesterday. So it's it's. It's all a part of the process, and it's so tough to let go of that control and to be like, okay, it's going to be different. It's not going to be 100% me. You know, There's going to be things yeah. that are different. <laughs> I, you almost think, well, the audience noticed that. Yeah. They know I'm not editing it. And, and, and then they don't at all, and it's like, oh, wow, okay, what was I so uptight about? Yeah, yeah, totally. So let's talk a wee bit about trails and equipment, Brian, if you don't mind. Yeah. So tell us what filming equipment you use. So I use the a... An Evo SS or a Zyun Rider M. I kind of have both of them, and uh, they're they're very much interchangeable. That's the gimbal, so that's the thing that actually keeps the GoPro steady. And I use a GoPro Hero Four because that seems to have the best audio quality of any of the GoPros. Even though the five and six are newer and they have some newer bells and whistles, the audio quality on those isn't as good because they have built-in mm, waterproof. So they're built-in waterproof, and that means that. You can't have a good microphone if it's waterproofed. It's just, it's not possible. But I'm sure eventually they'll figure it out and have a good uh, microphone. So that's the equipment I use. I use the Stuntman chest mount. It's a different kind of GoPro chesty that's a little more big. It's a little more stable, kind of, sort of. They're, they're kind of all the same. You always need some kind of extra strap. So I use the Osprey Raptor 14 pack, and I use the front strap to kind of strap the thing in so it doesn't flop on my chest so much. But yeah, that's about it. And then I bring a ton of batteries and uh, backup uh, SD cards in case I fill up the the card. Mm, cool. And how often do you find yourself having to update equipment? Um, I'm always on the lookout for new equipment and stuff. But yeah, I've probably over the past two years, I've probably bought five GoPro Hero fours. Like I just bought another one recently. You know, the lens gets scratched. The the other stuff blows up like so i'm constantly uh making sure i have backups and backups because if two break then you've got nothing so i, I always make sure to be a little more on the oh man i'm spending way too much money right now but <laughs> it's, I, I i need it for my job yeah um and you know it's probably not a massive outlay of money to get set up and get rolling what could somebody expect to pay for that entire kind of equipment that yeah you're using there. yeah i mean that that's true it really isn't you know in the big relative scheme of things to start a business you know it's pretty amazing yeah. it's like the gopro i the latest gopro i bought was like 180 bucks because it was a refurbished one and then the gimbals are still about 250 bucks and that doesn't seem to be coming down anytime soon but there are there's cheaper ones. It's funny because so many people email me and ask me about, oh, but there's this cheaper camera and there's this cheaper gimbal. And it's like, good luck, man. <laughs> like yeah, you get exactly. what you pay for. And then, yeah. you know, the mount, the chest mounts, probably 30 bucks or so. And there you go. You, you can start it up, but it's just like anyone else. Everyone has an iPhone with a video camera in it, but that doesn't mean that everyone's uh, making amazing vlogs and, and being able to talk to the camera and be able to take people on a, on a journey and tell a story. Yeah, because that's what it's about. The film's just the, you know, it's, it's just your side hustle. Yep. But it's you being there. The medium. makes the difference. Yeah, yep. that's it. So you always seem to have a Strava or something like that with you on your rides. What are you averaging a month? Do you know? I don't, -wise? I don't know. That is like such a common question. And it's really less than you'd think, you know, because it's, I can get, if I go for six days of riding, sometimes there'll be like 10 videos out of that. And 10 videos is almost a month worth of videos so it's like all of a sudden 
that that the image of me like oh i'm riding all the time and i'm putting in tons of miles it's just not there you know it's not as much as you think and uh I, I do have Strava, but I friggin' forget to turn it on. I use my phone. I need I need to get a GPS computer. I'm I'm always looking for the next thing. I'm kind of thinking about the Apple Watch, but I don't know. I'll probably break it on the trail or something on accident. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask you. If if you could update your equipment to anything, and money kind of was no option, what piece of gear would you would you update your current set up with? Yeah, so the the GoPro and filming stuff is fine. Like that's fine, but like getting a nice like Garmin Phoenix like GPS watch that does really good heart rate would be awesome. And those friggin' things are like 600, 700 bucks. And uh oh. yeah, it's like ridiculous. And I don't think I really need it that much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's one of those things if if you haven't used it, you do you really need it? Exactly. Thing, you know? Exactly. Wow. So, Brian, when you were starting out or even even today just when I, was there any pieces of advice that really helped you in your channel or helps you today that you can remember back on? You know, I really, I think back uh, watching Casey Neistat videos and he has a lot of, of talking about in his videos and it's kind of, it's funny because all his videos are like kind of clickbait thumbnails and titles. So if there's something that happened in a video, good friggin' luck going back and finding that actual video <laughs> that, that you watched. But uh, there's a couple videos where he just talks about failure. He talks about his journey and that he has this absolute disregard for failure. And it's like, what does it really mean? Failure is pretty much nothing in today's day and age. Maybe in caveman days, failure was something where you, you would actually die because of it. But in today's day and age, failure doesn't mean anything. You always have a, you'll always have a second chance. I can always go back and get a job. I can always go and do something, use these skills that I've learned. So uh, it just inspires me. It's, it inspired me from the start, but it still continues to inspire me to kind of get out of my comfort zone and keep pushing and keep experimenting. You just have to bounce back and keep going. Yep, exactly. And, and that's the thing. Uh, it's so easy to, to get a couple losses and then be like, oh, no, it's just not meant to be. And then that that's when you stop, when other people keep going and keep going and keep going and actually find their way to a win. Yeah, very true. So you've ridden many awesome trails, Brian. Have you any standouts or favorites? There, there's so many. It's like trying to pick your own favorite kid, you know, like – uh, Spain was definitely Spain is definitely always on the top of my list. It's just so fun. There's so many the the great guides, the people, the food, and the trails were just amazing. I it's so funny because Basque MTB, the company that does the trips in Spain that I've done, it was it was something that I had fantasized about before I even quit my job. Like before I started my YouTube mm. channel, like the photos that I'd seen and the videos that I'd seen that they did, like just really sparked my imagination. Like that was kind of what I had always dreamed about when I thought, hey, I'm gonna build a business and then I'm gonna get to do these trips on the side. That's what I'll do. And somehow Basque MTB like lived up to that hype, which is almost impossible for something to be built up in your head and, and be so mystical. And then when you actually do it, it was better than what I imagined. <laughs> like that doesn't seem possible, but it, it was. And yeah, so Spain always has a special place in my heart. That's why it's kind of cool that I'm riding the Orbea. It's a Spanish bike and it kind of all ties together. Yeah. You'll retire out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so was there any surprises? Was there any, any trails or any countries you went to that you were, surprised either good or bad um let me think about that so 
You know, one of the most recent ones that I was really surprised at was this this place called Exchequer, and that was a you know probably last week or two weeks ago, and it was a it's a bike park in Northern California, or Central California. It's about two and a half hours away from me, and you know I've mm. been hearing about it. I've heard people talk about it. Grant, the guy who created the place, had emailed me a couple times, and you know everybody really played it down like everybody was like well you know it's it's good and it, i i'd like you to come out but you know it's not spain or anything and people have a tendency to really you know be self-conscious about their trails and play stuff down but then i get out there and it's some of the funnest stuff i've ever seen and the video just turned out so good and it was so fun and so many people in the comments were like oh man i'm going out there i'm going out there i didn't know this was in my backyard so exchequer yeah that's that's definitely one of the surprises for me and it was just you know only two and a half hours away right in my backyard wow and was there any you went to expecting more than it delivered yeah i'd say new zealand was kind of like that i did a sacred rides trip in new zealand and uh it was okay but you know i got spoiled by spain where it's like okay Mm. you're in shuttles you've got multiple guides you've got this whole logistical thing that is just dialed in like crazy and you know you gotta love shuttles if you're doing six days of riding and the the, you don't want to do all climbing climbing's nice and all but you're here to get rides in so new zealand was about a 10-day uh, trip all along the South Island. It was really cool. There was so much good stuff. We did a lot of good riding, but it felt like I could have done that with a credit card and a rental car and a guy, you know, and trail forks. And it's like, I didn't, I didn't really feel like that was a great ringing endorsement where Spain, there's no friggin' way in hell that I could go show up in Spain and do any of that stuff. I could do one of the shuttles we did maybe like, and climb up for three hours and then go down for 20 minutes versus in you know in spain we did like four or five shuttles a day for six days straight it's like just impossible to do that kind of quantity and quality by yourself where in new zealand it's like hey we pulled up to the trailhead we did a big xc loop and boom we're good a couple of them we did a point to point with a shuttle and we did shuttle a little bit but like yeah it just it it was like kind of like yeah yeah i could have i probably could have put this together myself Mm, yeah that's interesting yeah i wouldn't expect that from new zealand really there's so much more i mean obviously this was just one trip there's there's so much more there's rotorua there's uh christchurch so that it's on my list i gotta get back have you any scary moments oh yeah there's plenty plenty (laughs) of scary moments for sure like uh in in spain on my recent spain trip i crashed and hit my face for the first time which i've never done before and and luckily it wasn't that big of an impact it kind of bloodied my nose a little bit which i'm you know, it's pretty insane because it could have broken my nose or broken my teeth easily, but it just wasn't, you know, I just didn't hit the ground hard enough or had my hands out good enough. And it, uh, and it's one of those things where, how did that even happen? Where you're like, eh, I clip my handlebars, but it's like, I clip my handlebars a lot. And like, just, it gets in your head a little bit and you kind of have to recover and kind of get back on the horse and get back in riding. And luckily I'm, I'm back and I feel pretty dang good now after, you know, it takes a little while to, to get back to your true self. Does that ever scare you? Because if you fall off and injure yourself and you can't ride, does that ever scare you as far as your channel goes? No. Or does it just give you an opportunity to talk about something different? Yeah, that, that's that's really how I see it. And it's not a matter of if, yeah. it's a matter of when. Like, everybody gets injured. I, I'll probably get injured. I'll probably have something happen. And, you know, 
hopefully it's not going to put me in the hospital or anything, but I'm sure something will happen where, okay, I have to wear a cast or, okay, I have to do this. So I, I just know it's inevitable that you just can't go out, ride and ride and ride and ride as much and not have something happen. But like you said, I, I view it as an opportunity to talk about something different, to get creative, to force myself to uh, create a different kind of video and grow as a creator. Yeah, no, I think that'd be. Oh well, I was going to say that'd be cool. <laughs> to see you get injured, obviously, but <laughs> it would be interesting to see how you do that. But I'm sure it would be very good. Um, and I remember watching the video when you were out in Kajabi with Adam Davis. Yeah. And uh, it was that drop that you yeah. went off on yeah. the railway roads. Man, that was insane. Oh yeah, like I wish I would have done a better job of like looking back and showing the, the audience basically that it was just this big old thing and just, yeah. whoa, that was that was pretty scary, uh, but didn't hurt myself whatsoever, which is pretty crazy. So it, it was just way more of a mental like, oh Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> well, Adam, I had Adam on the podcast yeah. as well, just about his enduro and stuff, and we chatted about that drop, and he was gutted that he kind of yeah. didn't tell you it about it. It was going to happen. And... It was going to happen no matter what. You know, you're in the zone. Like, I didn't have any ill feelings at all. That was about the most I've ever been mad on my videos, where I was like, hey, man, that was a, kind of a late call out. So. It is it, like I'm really not, you know, mad at him or anything. And it was going to happen. We're out there in the wilds of Africa and, uh, you know, shit's going to happen. Yeah. I'm actually going to try and get out of them boys next year. Oh, wow. I've been I've been chatting to Adam and, and Simon Blake. I don't know if you know of Simon, but he's kind of in charge of cycling development in Kenya. Yes. So we've had him on the podcast and we're chatting and, and we're, we're going to try and hook up. I, I really would love to do it out there. I think it would be amazing to just to just to be out there in Africa and, and everything else. And the trails look crazy. Yeah, it's pretty fun stuff, man. Adam's got a, a couple of really good routes that are just so much fun. I would suggest if you could get him to go uh, hack some of the, the some of the weeds out on Firebreak. <laughs> I bet Firebreak would be a lot better if it was hacked back a little bit. Yeah, well, we'll maybe give some local some do to go and do that. Or exactly, something. exactly. No bad thing. Um, so Brian, how many uh, how many subscribers are you wanting to reach? Do you think a cool million's doable? You know, I really don't. You know, after I hit a hundred thousand, or actually after I hit seventy five thousand, that's where I kind of felt like, okay, boom, I can make money. I can make as much money as I was making at my potsandpans.com job. So I felt like, okay, at seventy five thousand, I felt like I was pretty comfortable so yes it'd be nice to keep reaching more and more and more people but you know at this point if i can keep this sustainable as it is the subscriber numbers really don't matter as much as how else can i reach people how else can i make an impact and and that might not be subscriber numbers that might be selling you know my own version of fat paw grips or you know creating some kind of product that impacts mountain biking even more or you know doing something outside the box so that the number of subscribers is just it's always going to be there i think a million is possible it, which is just kind of crazy to even think about but uh it might happen someday and i, I bet it will happen eventually but yeah. that's really not the focus the focus is like how can i make an impact and and you know, how can I turn this into a business bigger than me, bigger than just being on the treadmill, putting out three days a week of videos? You obviously do a bit of affiliate marketing there on the site and your clothing and stuff. Is that something you're going to develop a wee bit more, do you think? You know, I, it, there's a balance to that that 
I just love the travel stuff so much. Like I've, I've thought about mm-hmm. doing more of that stuff and like reviews of products and it's something I should do more. Like people really like that stuff and they're really curious. Like, Hey, I know you use this stuff, but a lot of why I don't do it is cause like, I don't have anything to say. It's like, yeah, these shoes kind of suck. I don't know if I can't really be art- articulate about <laughs> why they suck and I can be, and I need to be, but it's, I just love the travel stuff so much. And it's just such a, it's it's just such where my heart is versus like, okay, I know if I do 10 mountain bike review products, I can put in affiliate links and I actually might make a couple hundred bucks from that video over a month. And like, eh, I just, it, doing what's fun is kind of what keeps me going and what makes this not be a slog. That's, if I start doing that other yeah. stuff, which is good, I, I do enjoy doing that other stuff sometimes, but if I make myself do it and I, I make myself, okay, I have to do at least one affiliate marketing based video every week and it's like then it becomes a job and yeah i'm I'm not into into sucking the life out of this thing yeah no no and you're doing what you're good at which comes through in the passion and everything else so i think you're going about it the right way and that's i think that's where a lot of people go wrong they do it they do it for the money you know yeah. i think if you of course you have to make a bit of, you know you need to make a living but if you think about it about money just by itself and that you're just doing it to make money i think that's where people go wrong because your your listeners or your audience or your viewers they they suss that out definitely definitely and and there's always ways to sell out and do this and make this and hustle this but it's like ah, you got to keep yeah i just i'm so glad that i haven't made any weird long-term deals that have totally screwed me over and made me feel like oh my god i'm not i'm not doing what i want to do so i've been very wary of any company that's kind of said hey we could do this and that and everything i do is pretty much short term or kind of in my favor and that's great i have the ability i i'm still doing well enough like this stuff is still going along you know well enough and that's why i always love patreon because it allows me to say no and i say no to a lot of stuff and it's great Mm -hmm. yeah no that's great because it's easy to make initially when you're starting and somebody maybe comes along with a deal sometimes you know you might you could take that deal but it could as you say ruin it for later time so exactly you probably wouldn't change anything if you had to or if you could would you no it's it's perfect i'm i just and it's amazing i was at the sedona mountain bike festival uh, a couple weeks ago, right? Already, it's already been a couple weeks. And, uh, you know, tons of people recognize me, normal people, right? Like normal people come up and say, hey, man, I love your videos. But I could walk around all day and nobody in those booths, nobody in the bike industry knows who I am. So it's fantastic. I can lay low. I can like be build this thing under the radar and the bike industry is still asleep while I build my audience and build my audience and build my audience to a point where, Hey, I want to come out with my own bike brand or, you know, something like that or Mm -hmm. my own pedals or whatever it is where they'll be asleep at the wheel and, uh, I'll be ready to pounce. Cool, man. Cool. Sounds good. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, so, any future trails planned? Did I hear a wee sneaky thing that you're maybe coming to the UK? I'm hoping to get to the UK. That's that's in the plans. I've got that Italy trip. I might be able to get back to Switzerland. I'm going to Tibet. Like, there's so many things in the hopper this year. It's going to be fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. And I've got a couple of listener questions, if you don't Oh, awesome. Hell yeah. Um, Michael, Michael Regan, who's who's an awesome guy over here is the founder and organizer of the dava enduro which we have here um he's such a cool guy so good for the industry over here but he wants to know when you're coming to ireland 
man, I gotta get back to the homeland. The Kennedy blood. <laughs> I, That's it. I, I want, so basically when I go to the UK, I'm, I'm leaving it up to my host. I'm going to have a pretty good host that's pretty connected to the bike industry. And hopefully, I, yeah, I don't think we'll get to Ireland though. Ah, it's like this whole, yeah. you know, it's like every year there's always more. But that's what keeps me so excited is that I keep hearing mm-hmm. about all these places and all these things. It's like, great. I'm never going to run out of places that I want to go and that hopefully we'll have great riding. So I look at it as an opportunity, but I know that people that like live there are like, ah, when are you going to come? When are you going to get there? I know it's just, it would be so hard just to, you know, to go everywhere you want or go everywhere where somebody wants you to be kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Totally. Now I've got another, I I picked out this question from David McGee because I thought it was quite funny. I thought it was quite funny. (laughs) He says, what is your diet normally like? As you seem to drink a lot of Coke on your videos. Ha ha, smiley face. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny because, you know, the videos represent like one day in the life. You know, after I finish a ride and like it's on a trip, I'll have a Coke. But I really don't drink Coke normally. I'll have it with a, with dinner, <laughs> you know, once in a while. And it's not something I keep in my house at all. And, you know, I eat chick- okay. chicken McNuggets are always a big funny thing. So yeah, yeah. people kind of always have this idea that I'm just eating like total garbage all the time. And it it's not <laughs> quite true. Yeah, so you do look after yourself to a certain extent. I mean, I'm 35 years old and I have a six pack, so <laughs> I don't know how many wow. how many people are uh, rocking that at my age. Yeah, you should do. You should get your six six pack on one of your videos. Yeah, yeah. Go out, you <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, what's the what's the end goal for you? I'm thinking. I'm thinking a TV channel, man. Yeah, yeah, a little travel channel. But that's what's so funny, man. It's like I already have a TV channel, a TV, uh, you know, show or kind of thing. So, it, yeah, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking just before the Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> a lead-in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. it, it? It is pretty amazing. Just to, you know, the the end goal is just to live a comfortable life, to to have control of my time, and to you know, have a family eventually and like kind of more of those existential things. There's no dollar amount. There's no, you know, viewer number. It's just to really have the most impact on as many people as I can to somehow, hopefully through my videos to inspire them to get off the couch and to ride more. Because I think mountain biking is just truly transformative. I think it is the best way to get physical exercise. I think it's amazing for mental health i think it's a great way to travel to see the world it's a great way to make friends i mean it it Mm. really solves every problem i think in my in my book there's nothing better than mountain biking no that that's awesome that sounds great and you know it's so inspiring when when you do get really good positive feedback from people it's just so nice it's amazing i i had a yeah i had a gentleman brian on on the podcast and he's registered blind but he races mountain bike. Yeah, holy moly. And he, he does the Dava Enduro here and stuff. And the comments that I was getting back on social media just because of that episode with Brian on it, it was just awesome. You know, you're just hearing people saying, you know, I've tried to get off the sofa for the last six months, but this has just totally inspired me. Hell yeah. I'm going to go out. I'm going to get at it. You know, if Brian can do it, I have no excuse whatsoever. And that's what that's what does it for me. Stuff like that. Exactly. It's just making people enjoy themselves more on the mountain bike and making them better bikers or getting better skills or learning the information that 
kind of keeps this whole thing running because it's such mountain biking's got such a great social kind of bubble around yes brilliant i really enjoy it and and for me it's like showing that it's possible it's not that crazy to get on a plane and go to spain it it seems crazy it seems like oh that's like a once in a lifetime thing but it's not that crazy if you as long as you have the money it's expensive of course but uh it's not that out of the realm of possibilities and i just hope that you know, I probably make it look a little too easy. I probably make it look like, oh yeah, you just travel everywhere. It's no big deal for you. But I just really hope that people get a spark out of that and be like, okay, screw it. I'm going to get in the car and I'm going to drive 10 hours. I'm going to go to this place and see, see what it's like. So Brian, I don't want to keep you too much longer because I know you've got a lot of editing to do there. So how can people best keep updated with your videos and your adventures? Yeah, just YouTube. Just search for BKXC. Uh, I'm there. If you, that comes up, even if you just Google it, subscribe, you hit the notifications. I have videos out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, very consistent. I've, I've tried to do that for almost, you know, a year and a half now. And, uh, yeah, live streams every once in a while. I'm on Instagram, BKXC, every, everywhere BKXC somehow I was able to get, uh, wrestle those uh, handles away from people squatting on them. <laughs> classic well brian listen thanks so much for coming on the show it's been a pleasure to chat with you and uh get your vibes across the uk awesome a big percentage of my uh followers are from the uk so it'll be be good to get you out there hopefully you'll get some more uh subscribers and i've got to i've got to get there you. i've got to make it happen got to get to the uk <laughs> good stuff well thank you so much mate i really appreciate you coming on it's been awesome chatting to you thank you That's a wrap for episode number 98 slash 28. <laughs> uh, so thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that and I hope you enjoyed Brian's story. He's a great guy. I loved having him on the podcast and his story is fascinating. You know, he's, he's followed his passions. He's doing what he loves. And um, my hat's off to that guy. He's really, really doing a good job there and he's taking it to the next level. So, so Brian, well done. And I know you're still enjoying your adventures and I know things are still going well for you there. So well done, sir. And I hope that keeps going well into the future for you. Now, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to know a wee bit more about Brian, if you want some quick links to his videos and stuff, just go to the show notes on mtb-tribe.com. Go to Brian's show notes, his episode there, episode number 98, and you will find out quick links and quick video links to everything he's doing there. And um, go and show your support and subscribe to the man. The stuff he's doing is, is pretty fantastic. Now, if you want to help the show, the best way to support it is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps us boost on the old Apple algorithms and helps spread the good word about the show to more people. Now, if you're not on Apple, don't worry. You can subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete back catalogue there. Listen and download every show. It's all free, folks. It's all free. And you can also subscribe from there and get one email per week with a quick synopsis and easy link to listen to the show. Now, you can also get involved on social media. We are at MTB Tribe on Facebook and Instagram. And um, you can take screenshots, share the show, give a shout out to friends. Let them know if you think they would enjoy the show. Please share with them. It's the best way to help the show is just by word of mouth. Just get it out there. Get on the old social medias and share and let people know about the show. And hopefully we can get more people off the sofas and onto the saddles and get out pushing the pedals. That's what it's all about. 
So folks, thanks for tuning in. I really do appreciate it. And um, I will speak to you next week for another exciting episode of the MTB Tribe podcast. We're nearing the 100th episode. So uh, we have a few good things happening over the next few weeks. So stay tuned and uh, subscribe and you won't miss an episode. Have a great weekend. Get out in the trails. Speak to you soon. And P.S. folks, Brian did make it to the UK since recording this episode back in March 2018. Well done, Brian, mate. I know you enjoyed it and I know people enjoyed having you here. Well done. See you next time.